Scientists would never put polar bears in that habitat. Cult scientists might. That's not very ethical. What about any of the Dharma Initiative makes you think they're ethical? We're talking about people who accidentally almost destroyed the world. Allegedly. No, you saw what the button did. You know what I've realized from watching our TikToks? That you don't make any? No. <laughs> My face is the exact same color of this wall. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a good thing. <laughs> I really need to put something back here. It's just not, it's not a good look for me. Yeah. You Every can see time. I, I finally hung up my photos. You have so many. Like every Warm other, this, this room has a lot going on, but it just, <laughs> yeah. Every time I watched our TikTok clips of the podcast, I'm like, why am I so pale? And, <laughs> and why am I perfectly color matched to the wall behind me? Yeah. People keep asking us to do an, a video platform for the podcast. And I'm thinking like maybe starting with this season, I might upload highlights and shit to YouTube, but like. There really isn't much to look at. It's it's just the two of us having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's really not exciting. And half the time, I'm not even looking at the computer. Like when Zane's talking, I'm looking around. Yeah, back in phone. Back in late season one, early season two, you were like fucking flipping your microphone all over the place. But now you just let it sit still. <laughs> yeah, I've calmed down a little bit, but I am very fidgety. Oh, oh yeah. That reminds me, I was playing with a needle and I dropped it in my carpet. <laughs> I found it. My boss has like a rubber wedding ring and he's always just like rolling it in his hand. And I'm like, that's so funny to me. I have like forced myself to not let myself fidget with my ring. Because... Oh, I play with mine all the time. Yeah, but yours probably isn't as expensive. Oh, not at all. Like, I, like, I I lost this one on like the first day that I had it. Kay had to order me a new one. Wow. Yeah. Great boyfriend. So season three. Season three. Who would have thunk it? Not me. Not me. <laughs> wow. We were really losing steam there in the end of season one. And here we are at season three. I can't believe it. But yeah, welcome back to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And we're covering the season three premiere, A Tale of Two Cities. I was really excited to watch this episode. Just what the fuck? Like the end of season two was very like, what now? So I was really excited. I'm a little more confused than anything. I don't think I really got very many answers. Season three is a complicated season, in my opinion. It. Every time I rank seasons, I always find three at the top, but it has like a really strong start. Like the first couple episodes are really good, in my opinion, or at least the arc is good. The end is like the greatest run of like six to seven episodes in the entire show, in my opinion. But there is just some there are episodes in the middle. <laughs> OK, good to know. 
but yeah i love this episode uh for like three reasons one the opening sequence is just amazing that the book club thing yeah yeah that was that was fun i will say that was fun it was once again it was like uh just how season two opened right like you're Mm -hmm. like this is a flashback right and it is on island shocker and then i really like even though jack is not great in the flashback at all i really enjoy the story mainly because i think john terry is just fucking phenomenal in this episode i'm gonna go ahead and say it right now mvp the episode i agree actually i really enjoyed him i don't think i put it in my notes at all but yeah i really enjoyed him and i was like it's crazy how they set him up as such a piece of shit but the more you get to know him you're like okay Mm -hmm. not so bad and then i just love the whole like everyone's separated not really sure what's going on just in, like so confused. Like if it wasn't for the fact that Juliet shows up with Sawyer later on, I wouldn't even be convinced that Jack and Kate and Sawyer are even remotely close to each other at the moment. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. I, I just thought, well, because it's like zoo, mm-hmm. aquarium, they kind of go hand in hand. But it was a lot. It was a lot going on. It's going to be really hard to condense that into one sentence. If I were to do that, I'd call it a synopsis. <laughs> You're smoking that needle? <laughs> it's my bit right now. I don't know why. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, but <laughs> it's my bit. Anyway, here's my synopsis. It's really good. It's really good. We get a better look at the others, and Jack is Jack. <laughs> yeah, that is the best way to describe Jack in this episode. He like there's Jack face, like you would not believe. He's just so fucking stubborn. And just how many times is the phrase "let it go, Jack" is said in this episode? I will say the on island Jack being stubborn, like okay, he is being held captive. Like, oh, absolutely. F- okay, fine. I have thoughts about the flashback, Jack, though. (laughs) Wow. Wow. For quick bits, this episode was directed by Jack Bender. I'm kind of just wondering if they're ever going to give anyone else an opportunity at this point. It's just Jack Bender and then, like, Stephen Williams and then, like, one other person. (laughs) True that. But this was actually the first episode that J.J. Abrams was directly involved with since season one. I forgot J.J. Abrams had anything to do with the show. Yeah, it always makes me laugh that he'll just start something and then just leave. That's why the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is like, I like it, but it's like not perfect or, you know, great in any sense, because it's so disjointed. Like J.J. Abrams is just like, all right, here's here's some shit. And then Ryan Johnson's like, all right, I'm going to try to take that. And then that wasn't great. Actually, I like Last Jedi. I think it's the best of the three. And then they just come in for the ninth one. They're like, fuck everything that Last Jedi did. It's just such a garbled mess, but I still love it. I have to say, there is never a time where I feel like dumber or more uncultured when people ask my opinion of movies. I was talking about the new Star Wars trilogy to one of my friends, and I was like, look, I think people have criticisms, 
I don't know what they are. I liked it. I just, <laughs> I, it's, I'm easy to please when it comes to a movie. Like, did I watch it? Yeah. Nailed it. Five stars. <laughs> I am on that side of TikTok where it's like a bunch of like experts. I'm using that with a lot of air quotes and a lot of sarcasm telling people if a movie is good or not. And I'm like, first of all, you're telling me if you like the movie or not, not if the movie is good. Your opinion is not law. I don't care how many fucking followers you have. Just like the same thing with this podcast. If you don't like Lost, I don't like you, but I can't convince you otherwise. It's your opinion. If you don't like it, sure. If you have like solid reasons why you don't like it or why you don't think it's a good quality movie, maybe you have a higher opinion than me because you have like knowledge and shit of just like how the process works. But at the end of the day, if I liked The Last Jedi because I had a good time watching it and I enjoy some of the story points, then to me, it's a good movie. So fuck off if you say it's not. <laughs> I just feel so dumb sometimes because like, like I'll read a book. I, I finished the book. That means it was a good book. I finished it. <laughs> and then I'll get on TikTok and people will be like, this was the worst book ever. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I thought it was fine. I, I just whatever but there are some things that I have really strong opinions on but I don't care if you don't agree with me like I think Manifest is the worst show on television I've never seen it horrible it's an awful show and someone at work was like talking about all the shows she really likes and she was like have you guys watched Manifest and I was like oh I fucking hate that show it's the worst show on television she was like well, I really love it. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I'm not judging you for liking it. I liked it when I first watched it. And then as I got more into it, I was like, this is actually unbearable. I cannot watch it anymore. But I have to feel really strongly about something to be like, no, it wasn't a good movie or it wasn't a good book. If I see, finished it, it was good. See, I was like that with the last season of Game of Thrones. As it was airing, I was like, oh, I don't know what people are complaining about. This is fun. This is a good time. They're they're killing White Walkers and dragons are doing shit. But like, as more and more time went on, I was like, oh, that would... They just kind of shit all over the story and that was really bad. See, I'm going to make a, a really big confession right now. If I had just watched that in isolation watched the whole show mm -hmm. and never heard anyone else's opinion. I don't think I'd have strong opinions on it either way. I might not have been like, I love this. Cause I, I will on my own say, I don't love how Danny's storyline ended, but people have really strong opinions on it. And most of the time I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't think that deeply about it. <laughs> See, a lot of people talk about this show as well and like the final season and like if it did it for them or not because it it does take a it kind of changes genres in the last season that's what i'll say i personally am like there was evidence of this all along the way i'm perfectly fine with it love the show am i biased because i watched it as a kid and i've also seen the show like a hundred times and i'll defend it yes but at the same time if you don't like the ending that's your opinion if you don't like it because you're saying they were dead the whole time and that is the reason why you don't like it, you are fundamentally wrong. That is not true. Find a different reason to not like it. You cannot like it, but don't let that be your reason. Because that's like saying, I don't like fish because they have so much beef in their system. It's like, okay, that's just not true. 
That's just fundamentally not true. Was that a great analogy? Not at all. But I put myself on the spot and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I loved watching that train of thought happen for you. I was like, where is he going with this? Where? Where? Where am I going with this? To the next quick bit. <laughs> awesome. We got really off track with that. The book club book that they were reading was Carrie, which is a book about a special child, which is a common theme in Lost. Okay, I specifically was going to ask because all I saw was that it was Stephen King. And I was like, which Stephen King novel? Because I bet it's significant. And I was right. Do you remember when Jack and Locke were talking to Henry and the Hatch and they gave him the Dostoevsky book? He said, do you have any Stephen King? Mm. Hmm. When Juliet asked Jack what his job was, he said he was a repo man. Hurley's original backstory was going to be he was a high-profile repo man. Can't see Hurley doing that. Not at all. But at the same time, I would like to go to that universe where that is the storyline they went with, just to see how it works. Yeah. And lastly, we know that Michael Emerson was originally contracted to do three episodes, but after the Got Milk scene, he was contracted to finish out the season. And this season, he is promoted to a series regular alongside Elizabeth Mitchell, who is also a series regular. You may recognize her from the Santa Claus 2, the Santa Claus 3, the Santa Claus series. Uh, I believe she was on that show V that J.J. Abrams did as well. She had a brief stint on Once Upon a Time. She was on that uh first kill vampire show about the vampire hunter and the vampire who fell in love on netflix recently she's been in a lot of stuff great actress beautiful here's my response to what you're saying you just said michael emerson is that his name Mm -hmm. he wasn't gonna come back but then they changed their mind they were just like he's amazing we're going to have him finish out season two. And then they were like, he's, he's the guy he's going to be the leader now. Oh, okay. See, my response was going to be like, well, then he's obviously not the leader because the leader would, they would know he was going to stick around. So they just decided he was the leader. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was like, I thought he was like the figurehead leader. And then there was like going to be a bigger leader. You mean like, he's just like, what, what do you mean? Like wizard of Oz kind of thing. Sure, yeah, like, you know, that's who we see as a leader. And, okay, no, I won't. I was going to get into Naruto, but I won't do it. But, yeah, like, everybody there is, like, Ben's our leader. But then, like, someone's in charge of him. You know what Mm. I mean? Okay. But, okay, just kidding. I still kind of think that, though. Let's lock that in as a prediction. (laughs) Thank you. Save the outlandish predictions for the end of the episode, please. Okay, well, write it down. I said it. Right, write that down. Uh, let's get into it. We open up with the iconic close-up of an eye opening. Got to do it every time. Mm. Juliet picks a CD, and she starts playing Petula Clark's Downtown as she tries to hype herself up for the day and fights off crying, which is the most relatable thing and most realistic thing that has ever happened on this show. I did that today. <laughs> While driving. <laughs> She sets up chairs for her book club, but burns her hand and her muffins. And her first guest, an elderly lady, arrives and we learn that there is an issue with the plumbing in Juliet's house. One of the book club members criticizes Juliet's pick, saying Ben is not there because it sucks. 
She begins to tear him a new one when an earthquake occurs. Everyone gets under the doorway as lamps and other objects fall. So at this point, before they go outside, did you think, what, what was your thought process here? I'll tell you exactly what I thought. When she walks outside and is talking to that person under her house, I said, I think this is on the island. I did. And I was like, I, I put it in my notes. I said, why do I feel like this is on the island? Called it. Look at you. But here's my thing. Because, okay, the earthquake happens. They walk outside. They see the airplane crashing. Oceanic 815. We're all familiar. <laughs> my immediate thought was, how come this magnet was so strong that it ripped a plane out of the sky, but it didn't really be seem to be affecting any of the metal around them. That to me means my my magnet theory, which has been confirmed, is more of a red herring, and that the plane crashed for other reasons, or the writers just don't really know a lot about magnets the way I do. I'm not going to say anything about your first theory. Mm -hmm. It is entirely possible that they don't understand how magnets work. I've always just taken it as the magnet fucked with the plane so much that it ripped the plane into pieces and then it just crashed from there. I suppose, but I still feel like the magnetic pole. Okay, here's what I'm going to tell myself. If it's not the literal pole of the magnet that wrecked the plane, then it would be something about the electromagnetic radiation. I'm making shit up, guys. I'm not a magnet scientist. Neither fucked are the writers. The, yeah. Fucked with the like the system of the plane, like the computers, and that's what made them start crashing. And then it was just the the air and the and the, all that shit that made them rip apart. Because I'm like, if it's actually a magnet so strong that it pulled a plane, their forks would be flying. You know, it it's incredibly unrealistic that a plane would break into three major pieces during a crash. That's just not really how planes work. Right. So it had to have been the magnet to break it up like that. But also, yes, what happened in these homes should have been far worse, especially since they're closer to the magnet than, you know, however many miles in the sky that plane was. So I'm going to go with plane scientist. The thing that because you just say uh, plane scientist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even explain to you what just happened. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to walk you through why that just happened. Because what I wanted to say was, I'm gonna go with the writers are not magnet scientists. <laughs> Previous, like while you were talking, I was thinking in my head well i'm not a plane scientist so i don't know <laughs> and so when I, I went to talk i just i'm gonna go with plane scientist i'm sorry i'm a little adhd but what i was gonna say is that i feel like i was so shocked by the finale that there were some things that i didn't even get to say in that episode one of which, okay, sure. Giant magnet, glad to be right about that. But we can't just forget about all the other weird things. Like, 
the mobile having oceanic planes and the others seeming to know a lot about them and all of their connections and the numbers. It's like, I still think they were brought here. They were all on that plane for a reason. You subscribe to Locke's theory. A little bit, yeah. But then I guess it's just like, I don't want to use the word fate, but it was just kind of like, why don't fate? we? Why don't you want to use the word fate? I don't know. I just man of science, it. man of fate. That's the whole thing. I just want to go on record and say I'm still aware of that. I understand it doesn't just end with the magnet. So everyone goes outside and we see Ethan, we see Ben, and we see the plane fall out of the sky. And then Ben tells Goodwin to run to the tail section and Ethan to go to the fuselage since there may be survivors. Another person just casually using the word fuselage. I had to pause to recover. I've never said fuselage in my life. And you know what? When I first tried to type fuselage in my notes, it came out because it was... (laughs) nowhere near it started with a d but that's also just because i type really fast and the words just aren't right but it took me a second to spell it is what i'm trying to say i don't think that shocks anyone lauren Hmm. he tells them to pretend to be a survivor come up with a story if they ask but stay quiet if they don't listen learn don't get involved goodwin you fucking failed that for sure (laughs) he says he wants lists in three days which ethan failed that it would seem And then both men take off and Ben comments on not being invited to book club to Juliet. Then the camera pans to reveal a very large community of yellow houses in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the island. It just, it gives me so many questions. Why was he so prepared? It's like he knew the plane was going to crash. It's just like, oh, they're here. Our guests have arrived. Let's go stalk them and steal their children. Why lists? What are they doing with them? I'm just so curious. I'm so curious. Did you notice that when they all stepped out of their homes after an earthquake, they were all looking up for some reason? Damn. Damn, that's a good statement. Do you remember when we were talking about maternity leave, which was the episode where they found the staff? And you that was when you were really like, what is going on with the others? What are they doing? And I asked you what in your mind's eye the base of operations looked like. I'm mm-hmm. guessing you don't remember what you said. I don't remember what I said, no. You said, quote, I'm picturing a whole commune. Look at me. I'm and so I wanted smart. to kill you. <laughs> that's so funny. I don't remember saying that. I. It's actually... That's so funny because if you read my notes, I said, okay, so this is a whole ass community. Did not expect that. <laughs> but I literally expected Fucking that. moron. I don't remember anything I say ever. So when people are like, I can't believe Kate doesn't listen to the podcast. Fucking Lauren doesn't even listen to the podcast. I listen to it, but she's like, I don't really retain very much stuff, you know? Yeah. It's mostly mostly song lyrics up here. We get a quick flashback after the first flashback of Jack stalking Sarah while she's at work at the school and watches her interact with a male teacher. And I have to say, Sarah did seem a little flirty with that guy. I thought it was literally the guy she was with because they're they're basically licking each other's ears. Yeah, it was a bit strange. 
Yeah, I wouldn't interact with my coworker like that. Jack awakes in his cell and removes a bandage on his arm. He had blood drawn. He examines his surroundings and tries to open the door. There's a speaker box. He attempts to use that too. Then he notices that there's a door that's wide open and he walks into a pane of glass trying to get to it. He kicks the glass and then calls out to Kate. Kate wakes up to a running shower in a locker room and Tom tells her to wake up. She immediately asks where Sawyer and Jack are and Tom tells her to take a shower and she refuses to take a shower in front of him. Tom laughs, saying that she is not his type and leaves. And there you have it, folks. It took a full two seasons and five minutes, but we finally have our first gay character on Lost. Is that confirmed later? Because MC Ganey says that he took that line to mean that he is gay. So later on, when he's doing something physical, he does it the way he thinks a gay man would. And at one point, the directors were like, why are you doing it that way? And he's like, because this is how Tom does it. He's gay. And they're like, oh, and they just let him do do that. Okay. I was just wondering, because obviously that's not necessarily what that statement means. It's what it meant to MC Ganey, apparently. That's fine. We we love it. When is this? Late 2006? For late 2006, we'll take any representation we can get. She also has a bandage from blood being taken. Meanwhile, Sawyer wakes up in a cage outside the Hydra station. There's a young guy in the cage next to him. He tries to talk to him, but Carl does not answer. Sawyer begins checking out the puzzle around him and presses the big food button. It says warning, but he does it again. And then Carl tells him not to push it a third time, but he ignores him, presses it, and the electric shock throws him back into the cage. Back with Jack in the aquarium bit, he finds a chain attached to the ceiling and just starts yanking on it. Juliet comes in and tells him to stop. She's on the other side of the glass pane and introduces herself. So you saw three locations of the Hydra Station initially. What were you thinking at this time? Well, with Sawyer, I was like, that's a zoo. The rest of it, I didn't really think much of it. It's just like, that's a, that's a place. <laughs> so you didn't realize there was an aquarium until later? I didn't realize it till he said it. In the next flashback, Jack arrives at the divorce meeting and Sarah asks where his lawyer is. I was trying to figure out what that was. Where did divorce hearings take place typically? Just like lawyer offices? It's like way too nice to be a courthouse. That was pretty sure it's just like a mediation. Like you're both lawyers are present and then you have like a mediator and that's just where you're like dividing assets and all that Mm -hmm. shit. Doesn't normally happen in a court, I don't think. What do I know? I'm not divorced yet. Whoa, easy now. <laughs> hey, you're married by the time this set comes out. Really? Yeah. Oh, congratulations, Lauren. Where was the open bar? I'm sure mom and dad paid for your drinks, so shut up. Fair enough. Jack says that she looks nice, and she again asks about the lawyer, and we learn that Jack fired his lawyer. Is anyone shocked? No. Jack apologizes for pushing them to where they are when Sarah's phone rings. She takes the call, and it's the other man. After the call, Sarah begins to tell him something, but Jack immediately asks what his name is. She refuses, but Jack says he's not going to let it go. Again, no one is shocked. That should have been a drinking game rule. Anytime Jack can't let something go. Although you would have been fucking dead within the first ten minutes. That is true. He says that she can have everything, the house, the cars. He does not care about any of it except the name of the man who was with his wife. 
Sarah gets up and leaves, and I scream, Sarah, don't be dumb. Take that deal. <laughs> Get that in writing. That's the deal of a century right there. I just... I... Can I be honest? No, lie to me. Now is probably not the time to say this, but I have maybe controversial thoughts on Sarah. I don't know. I just found her to be kind of a bitch. Not so much in this moment, just because no. like Jack is being a lot, but I know what you're talking about. I'm guessing it's the like the last scene. And we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah. 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 But honestly, I just got bad vibes from her the whole episode. And I didn't write kind of a bitch until the last flashback, but I understand. I I truly do understand that there's so much that went on in their marriage and there's so much that she feels like she can blame him for. But like, she acts like she's completely blameless. Yeah. She acts like he's like the worst person ever. As if she didn't know. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like her. Look. We have biases because we watch this show through the Jack lens. And obviously we know Jack wasn't a perfect husband, but in his own way, he tried. And at the end of the day, she is the one who was like repeatedly cheating. And if it were me, I would want to fucking know. I don't even care so much about like. With the way that he's behaving I probably wouldn't tell him either. He's being obsessive. Like you give him the name. What is he going to do next? Yeah. But it's like, it's everything else. It's her coldness towards him, which I guess there are like, you know, her bailing him out later is like not so cold, but um, I'll have more on that in that scene. Jack again pulls on the chain and Juliet adjusts the sound levels for the microphones between the glass wall. She tells him to just come down from the table and and he tells her to come get him. He demands to know where his friends are and she agrees to tell him if he lets go of the chain. He asks if she thinks he's stupid and Juliet says, you're not stupid, you're stubborn. And Jack continues to pull on the chain. Took her about 15 seconds to size Jack up, but she nailed it. I have something to say. This is a live thought. Live thought. Okay. They know a lot about our people, right? Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, did they know all of this before they got to the island? Or did the two people that were sent, did they infiltrate, find out everybody's name, bring those names back, and then they did their deep dive on everyone? And then use that information to determine who's, quote, good and who will they want to kidnap and shit? Or, you know what I mean? Like, are you asking? That's what I'm wondering. Are you asking if they got the names of the survivors and used those names to research them and then determine the information? Because it would, if they are getting all the information, like who Jack was married to and where he works and what college he went to, that would also mean they probably knows know who was just on Oceanic Flight Eight One Five and they wouldn't need the names of the survivors. Hmm. My brain is actually breaking right now. I think (laughs) I think I'm at the end of this thought train, but I guess I'm just wondering, it's like, did they know all of this stuff about them and then they got to the island or did they get to the island and then they were like, 
who do we have here? Jack Shepard? Okay, let's learn all this shit about it. You know what I mean? We'll find out. Yeah, okay, go ahead. This is how I know Matthew Fox is a really good actor. There was no point to pulling on that chain. I don't know what that would have accomplished, but he sold it. I was like, yes, this you pull on that chain. This makes sense. I had the opposite reaction. I was like, that's pointless. But sure, <laughs> keep doing it, you stubborn ass. It's so he, hard to watch him, honestly. It's it's painful. He knew after the third or fourth poll, like, this is pointless. But when she was like, stop it, he's like, no. It's what I hate about him. Kate finishes taking her shower and goes to the locker and finds that her clothes are missing. She calls out asking where they are when she notices a locker with a piece of tape saying, wear this. Inside the locker is a sundress. Now is the point where I tell you that I've actually watched this episode twice in in preparation for this episode. Kate watched it with me the first time. I've got a little Kate commentary. She said, I never would have noticed that locker. (laughs) (laughs) She puts it on and she's real pretty. She looks good in that dress. She's hottie of the week. Thank fucking Christ. Oh my God. She looks really good in that dress. I was like, there's no one else. Yeah, it's definitely her. That has to be the longest gap between hottie of the weeks. Well, yeah. And just to put it out there right now, for season three, I don't want you to give me the standings as we go. I want you to let me forget all about it. Because even though I didn't let it sway me, it could have swayed me. So don't tell me until the end. Sounds fair. Here's hoping for more women on the hottie of the week list for this season. It's hard for me to agree when it's just all men. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Tom whistles at her. It's like a cat call whistle. And then says that he is waiting. Tom takes her outside and escorts her through the hydro station to Ben waiting at a table on the beach under a canopy. Ben's a gentleman and pulls out her chair and gives her breakfast. Eggs, bacon, and handcuffs. That made me so hungry. I've got some more Kate commentary here. Uh, She said, I would take one look at that breakfast and say, where do I sign? Like, to (laughs) to join the others. She she then immediately said, not crazy about the eggs, but I'm not going to complain. After Ben tells her to put the handcuffs on, and she asks, what happens if I don't? He pushes down on the French press and says, you don't get any coffee. And Kate literally goes... French press? I'm in. <laughs> it doesn't help that she has a crush on Ben, but she she was just like, I'm joining the others. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I mean, they do have a lot of amenities. If you're going to be on that island for the rest of your days anyway. I remember just being like, they're so extra. Look at the fucking canopy they built. <laughs> like, just for that table. <laughs> It looks more like a little gazebo to me. Yeah, sure. I don't know what the proper word is. I don't know. But I was just like, they really went all out for this, like, basic intimidation. <laughs> anyway, she puts on the cuffs and she ma- he makes her tighten them. Then she asks what happened to Sawyer and Jack. And Ben asks why she asked about Sawyer first. Kate says he does not 
know her, and Ben agrees. She asks where her clothes are, and Ben says they burned them. <laughs> Which Kate said, I love that response. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. I think she was making it sexual. I'm concerned. She asks why she is there in the dress eating breakfast, and Ben tells her to look at the water and feel comfort that her friends are looking at the same ocean, to feel like a lady in the dress, and to feel civilized using a fork, to have something nice to hold on to because the next two weeks are going to be very difficult. How does that mean? You know what? Two weeks on this show could mean like an entire season. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's a really good point. I'm not looking forward to that. Thoughts, theories on this moment? It just made me hungry, to be <laughs> honest. I was good looking bacon. Also looked like fresh strawberries, which makes me ask, do you think the others are relying solely on Dharma food or you think they're growing? No, I'm going to lead full into my commune theory. They have a garden. <laughs> in the next flashback, Christian walks in on Jack calling all the numbers in Sarah's phone, pretending to be someone just trying to return it to her. Christian asks why he's doing all of that, and Jack says because he wants to find him. Christian hangs up the phone and tells him to stop because it's over. Jack says it's not over until he learns everything about him, what it is about him, and he dials the phone. And Christian's phone rings. I have multiple problems with this scene. One, it's 2004. You don't know your dad's phone number. He didn't look at that number and go, that's my dad's phone number. It wasn't until the phone rang that he was like, gas, that's unrealistic. I know my dad's phone number and it's 2023. Next, if he's just going, because what they said is going through all the numbers in her phone. He didn't say her recent call log. If it's her recent call log, then this point doesn't matter. If she's, if he's going through all the numbers in her phone, why would she not have her father-in-law's phone number? Kate said the same thing. She said, I have your dad's number. And I said, I text your mother pretty frequently. <laughs> right. Like, that'd be like if Andrew went through my phone and was like, why do you have my dad's number? Yeah. Because he texted I, me. I have to imagine it was recent calls because it really isn't that outlandish to have your in-laws numbers. Right. I'm going to go with it's recent calls and he just phrased it weird. But still. You know what? It can't be recent calls because then it would just be the person that called when he was at that meeting and he would have like a time stamp or whatever. It has to be contacts. There we go. This scene that, is dumb. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. But. What it makes, what it lacks in smartness, it makes up in great acting. John Terry was great in this scene because Jack, you know, is Jack and overreacts asking why Christian was calling. And Christian says, let it go. And again, Jack asks why. And Christian says, because Sarah was afraid for him. Jack demands to know exactly why she called him. And I saw your notes. Was it at this point that you realized what Jack was implying, or was it later? Later. Wow. It was when he started stalking his own dad. Christian says that Sarah could see that Jack was losing his grip, and Jack says, My grip is not the problem. I loved the delivery of that line. And Christian says he knows a thing or two about being obsessive. Jack says being a drunk is not obsessive. Jack kind of is. 
in a way, I suppose. It's an addiction, but your addiction and obsession kind of go hand in hand. I suppose. Christian is too stunned to speak, not even recognizing his son, and walks towards the door. He tells him to let it go and leaves. Jack drinks the dripping water coming out of the ceiling and spits it out because it's salt water. Surprised you didn't figure it out there. Oh, I saw him spit it out. I just... Tastes bad. The intercom starts staticking and he tells whoever it is that he cannot hear them. And then a faint voice comes through telling him to let it go, which spooks him. Subtitles say man, but it sounded a lot like Christian to me. No, it was definitely Christian. Okay. Just wanted to be sure. Juliet turns on the light, saying that she knows he is hungry, so she brought him a sandwich. She tells him to sit with his back against the wall, and she will bring it for him. Jack says he doesn't want her food, and he wants her to tell the guy on the intercom to give it up. She tells him the intercom has not worked in years, so he must be hungrier than he thought. And Jack asks what the button on the wall is for, and she says emergencies. Clearly, he interpreted what happened with the sky turning purple, and was like, Probably that button was real, so I want to know what all buttons do from now on. <laughs> I didn't think that deeply about it. I thought he's just... I'm making a think... joke. <laughs> oh, it's a bad joke. Didn't land. Kate laughed at it. Mm. That's why I love her. Mm. He asks who is watching him, and she steers the conversation back towards the food, and he tells her to keep it. She asks what he does for a living, and he says that he's a repo man. She asks if he was married, and he sa- or if he is married, and he says never saw the point. Then he asks about her job besides making sandwiches, and she responds that she did not make it. She just put the toothpicks in it, and I freaking love Juliet. She's so funny. She asks where the plane was flying from, why he was in Sydney, and why he went all the way there to bring his father back. And Jack tells her because he was dead. She says that she is sorry, and Jack says he's sure she is. Juliet presses her hand against the glass and says that he can trust her, but Jack presses himself against the glass and asks what is going on. So Juliet takes the sandwich and leaves, but also takes a bite. That made me hungry, too. (laughs) That looks like a good sandwich. I know. This reminds me of, like, when I'm watching Survivor and the rewards come out or the food auction happens, and I'm like, oh, that looks so good. That's worth playing for. As if I couldn't just go and get it right now. Yeah. What do you make of the dynamic between these two? It's another person who can remain even and calm while Jack is popping off. And I I love whenever that happens. There was something about Juliet that I was wondering if you noticed. I'm not going to comment on it because it is revealed later. But I just, is there anything about Juliet that you picked up on? I mean, I had multiple thoughts about her during the show, but I can't remember them now. Put a pin in that for now. It's really important in this episode, but it will be talked about later. I'm going to rewatch it or something. I, I can't. Can I have a hint? Yeah. It's important because of this episode. Ugh, you're annoying. It's important because of Jack's story. I'm a repo man. No, his backstory. Oh, is she a doctor? You'll find out eventually. And it's it's not subtle when you find out. They'll just straight up tell you. Is it his long-lost sister? No. As Sawyer messes with the puzzles in the cage, Carl asks him about his camp. How far it is from where they were taken. What are the people like? 
Sawyer says that the last other to come to camp got tortured, but so did he. Then he makes a racist joke, but we don't care about that. He turns to see Carl has picked the lock and broke out of his cage. He then opens Sawyer's cage too and tells him to run towards the Hydra station as he runs the opposite direction. Sawyer listens and runs past more cages and is eventually stopped by Juliet, who tases him. Tom and another other drag him back to his cell and lock him in. Juliet looks at him like an animal in a cage as Carl is shoved against the cage by Tom and is forced to apologize for involving him in the breakout and then they drag him away. Carl had a bloody nose. Thoughts on this scene? What do you think of Carl? Why was he in that cage? Honestly, I didn't understand the point. Like When I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's probably a plant. And I still think he probably was, but then like, for what? I, I don't know. I just don't get the point. You still think he's a plant after the breakout attempt? I guess maybe not, but they obviously put him in the cage right next to Sawyer for a reason. Maybe they only have so many cages. I mean, they had three distinctly different places to hold our three people. I'm thinking they had somewhere else they could have put dear old Carl. I mean, one of the distinctly different places was just the floor of a locker room. They weren't holding her there. But still, I'm just saying, like, I feel like they had other places. It seemed intentional and maybe it backfired. Carl seemed pretty young. I was like, am I supposed to know him? Is he supposed to be a tailly that they just haven't like broken yet? I wasn't sure. No, he is another. He's pretty young. He's about 16. Interesting. Juliet comes back into the aquarium cell and tells Jack that the drugs they use to bring him there have a dehydration side effect. And if he does not eat or drink something soon, he is going to hallucinate. He asks if she is a doctor and she says she is a repo woman, which is her way of saying yes. Jack laughs and Juliet says he does not need to answer any questions. There are no strings attached. All he has to do is sit against the wall. She says he is not giving up or losing by complying. He just needs to eat. So Jack agrees and sits against the wall as she goes around the corner. While he sits, we get a flashback. Jack finishes up with a patient when he sees Christian take a call. He's laughing. So Jack does the reasonable thing and follows Christian to a hotel and confronts him, demanding to see his phone. Christian tells him to take a look where he is. It's an AA meeting. Jack again demands for the phone, and Christian says that this is not the time or place. When the group leader tells them to have Jack join, she says Christian told them a lot about him, and Jack asks what he said. Something along the lines of, my son never really had it. Not like the old man. He didn't have what it takes to make it work, his life, his job, his marriage, and then he demands to know what Christian told them about his marriage. He asks the group leader if he is aware how Christian manages his marriage and tells her that he drinks a bottle of scotch every night before dinner. And that's when the group leader shares that Christian is 50 days sober. Did you have a reaction? Not really. Not more than just... Oh, Jack's being Jack again. I mean, it's kind of sad when you think about where Christian ends up. Jack asks how that happened. Maybe a new lady friend, perhaps? Christian says he will not let him speak to him that way. And then Jack tells him he will not let him sleep with his wife, which is so fucked up. Christian is just an absolute shock and reminds him that he is his father. He pleads with Jack to just let it go. So Jack does the reasonable thing and tackles him. And again... 
this is my favorite Christian episode so far. I can't really remember off the top of my head if there's any other ones that I like, but John Terry's acting is amazing. The face of like pain and shame as Jack goes on this rant. He's like, how did I let it get here? How did I let my relationship with my son get this bad? And then like the, the, the look of horror when Jack accuses him of sleeping with Sarah, just fucking fantastic. I, you said it perfectly. The second Juliet opens the door, Jack rushes her. He breaks the plate and knocks the taser out from her belt, I guess. He takes a piece of broken plate to her neck and asks where the exit is. She tells him to stop as he checks all the doors. And finally, he demands her to open the door at the end of the hall. And she says if they open it, they'll all die. He again demands it. And then Ben tells him that, that she is telling the truth. Jack says that he will kill her, which really shows you how far Jack has come. Remember episode three, when he killed the marshal, was like such a reaction and him saying, I'm not a murderer like you, Kate, or whatever. And now he's just like, I'll fucking kill her. Now, obviously it was a bluff, but like he's come very far. I just want to go on the record and say when she said we can't open the door, that's when I knew they were underwater. <laughs> I was wondering after the button, like the actual the, the hatch button, I was wondering if anytime they mention something and they don't just give you an answer like immediately, like the button on the wall or what's behind this door. I'm wondering if you ever were just like, oh, I wonder how long it's going to take us to find out about that only for them to do it immediately. No, I, I've never thought that. Hmm. Ben says it's fine if he kills her because if they open that door, they're all going to die anyway. So Jack shoves her. And he opens the door as Ben closes the door behind him and locks Juliet and Jack in as the water floods into the room. Juliet grabs Jack and drags him into the room with the yellow button. They both close the door to the hallway and she tells Jack to push the button. He does so and the water begins to drain. And then Juliet knocks Jack out with a wicked right hook and pulls him out of the water. I was like, woman of many talents. She can put toothpicks and sandwiches. And knock people out cold. Mm-hmm. I thought Juliet might pull hottie of the week. I think she could one day for sure. Reaction to Ben locking her out. I didn't notice it. <laughs> you thought he just disappeared? I, I thought nothing of it. I'm just like, yeah. whatever. Okay, well, now I'm telling you. And now you've noticed. He is the leader and he locked out one of his people and left her to die. Sounds about right for a cult leader. You're still going with the cult. Science cult. Mm. There's no religion involved, I think. Sawyer struggles to get a rock just at the tip of his reach on the outside of his cage, but when he does, he uses it to weigh down a pressure plate in the puzzle. He then presses the big orange button and throws a shoe at the lever, and the system plays music and rewards him. It dispenses a fish biscuit, some kibble, and water. His excitement immediately drops when he sees the biscuit, but he's excited for the water. Tom then brings Kate out to her cage. There's immediate relief when the two of them lock eyes, and then Tom locks her in and takes off her cuffs. He sees that she's scratched up and tells her that he will bring antiseptic for her. So Sawyer requests an ottoman and a blow dry. What was she doing in those cuffs? I mean, when you wear cuffs, they just kind of like make your wrists a little raw. Not that bad. She probably was squirming a bit. During that delicious breakfast? Hold that thought. 
Tom asks how Sawyer got a fish biscuit, and Sawyer tells him that he figured out the puzzle. Tom says that it only took the bears two hours, and Sawyer asks how many of them there were. Bears. I wonder if those are the polar bears, or if they had different bears. It was the polar bears. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not a proper habitat for polar bears. It's almost like the Dharma Initiative for scientists. Scientists would never put polar bears in that habitat. Cult scientists might. That's not very ethical. What about any of the Dharma Initiative makes you think they're ethical? We're talking about people who accidentally almost destroyed the world. Allegedly. No, you saw what the button did. Sawyer asks if Kate is okay, and she says yes, and asks the same of him. He makes a joke about wanting her cage, which cheers her up a little bit. Then he says he likes the dress, and she says that they made her wear it. He asks if she is hungry and tosses her the biscuit. Bullshit throw, by the way. Fucking hate that. It just happened to land right where her outstretched hand was. Bullshit. It infuriated me, actually. Everything about it pissed me off. But then she just goes to town on that biscuit. So now I ask you, do you actually think she ate breakfast? I don't think she did. And when she ate the biscuit, I was like, you dumb bitch. Why didn't you eat the breakfast? Because then she would have complied. And gotten bacon. (laughs) I mean, these people kidnapped her. Do you really trust them not to like poison the food or something? It's literally a win-win. You either get a delicious breakfast or you die. That doesn't sound like a win-win. I feel like you wouldn't want to live in this situation. That's why I think she was a little scratched up. I think she was not complying. (sighs) Okay. Also, she kind of was crying when she saw Sawyer. I I wasn't sure if that was like relief or like I've been through some shit since we last saw me. Well, it's a typical thing that happens when you have been through a stressful situation or you just had a bad day and then you see someone that you trust, the emotion wells up. Mm. It's why kids often break down when their parents come to pick them up from daycare. Child development. What do you think of Tom? Tom's a chill dude. He's just doing his job. Do you think there's a significant difference between Tom and the Mr. Friendly persona? Well, yeah. He's he's funny. I love the, uh, well, it took the bears two hours. <laughs> Jack wakes up and realizes that he is in an aquarium. He asks Juliet if they are underwater, and she says yes. Then he asks if this is a Dharma station, and she says that they called it the Hydra. If you look at the symbol, it is a Hydra from Greek mythology. Nice. Jack says that they are what is left of the Dharma folk, and Juliet says that that was a long time ago. She says that it does not matter who they were, it only matters who they are. Very reminiscent of what Sarah was saying later on. She says she knows who he is, and he says, no, she doesn't. So she reads from his file about where he worked, where he went to school, and how fast he graduated, how he was married, how he contested the divorce, how Christian died in Sydney... And she says that she knows this because she has a copy of the autopsy. He asks how, and she says that she just got it. He asks what the file is, and she says it is his life. And he asks if it's about him or if it's about his friends and family as well. She says it's about everything. Jack asks if she knows about Sarah, and she says yes, and asks what he would like to find out. Triggering a flashback. 
But before that, reaction to the amount of information that the others have? That's pretty crazy. But it is all, you know, documentation. Like, it's all stuff that could be pulled from different sources. Like, how did they have access to all that information? I don't know. Why? I don't know. It's interesting. When I heard her say Columbia... I guess I just never really noticed that before. And I reacted and Kate was just like, why is that a big deal? And I was like, first of all, where is Columbia? It's in New York. Okay. Why did he go to, he lives in LA. Why did he go to school in New York? I wanted to get away from his fucking dad. He came back. For nepotism. Exactly. That's exactly what I came to the conclusion of. I also had no idea that there weren't any Ivy League schools on the West Coast. Yeah, there's some that are like really, really good. Stanford, not an Ivy though. I think USC and UCLA are both accredited medical schools as well, but not Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Really threw me off. Did not know that. I am not an educated person. Well, it's not like either one of us ever considered an Ivy League school. Yeah, but I, I like know where schools are. I just don't know where any of the fucking Ivy Leagues are. Do you know why I know where a couple Ivy League schools are? Why? Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. That's that's it. If I had to guess, Cornell is in Pennsylvania, based off The Office. Don't know. <laughs> in the next flashback, Jack is freed from LAPD holding because Sarah posted his bail. He asked how she knew, and Sarah tells him his father told her. She called him a cab and then says goodbye, but Jack follows her. She's crying, and Jack calls out to her. He asks if the man waiting for her is him, and she asks what difference it will make, and it says it won't change anything, but Jack says that he wants to know. He needs to know. She says it does not matter who he is, and it only matters who he is not. She tells him that Christian was so drunk when he called that she could barely understand anything. Jack begins to break, and Sarah tells him to look on the bright side, Now he has something to fix. She walks off arm in arm with the man leaving Jack alone. Bitch. Yeah, that is like, like, I get it. There's a lot of trauma there. But like, that's a fucking horrible thing to say when a man just broke his sobriety. Yeah, like, okay, here's the thing. It's a roller coaster, ready? She lets him out of jail because she she still cares about him. The crying is showing that that cold facade is cracking. You know, that was a, that was a defense mechanism. I have to be really cold and bitchy towards you. But then she throws it right back up and then some. Because the whole like, oh, your dad broke a sobriety thing. It's like kind of saying, you know, there's bigger things going on. But it's also like, almost like she was blaming him a little bit just really shitty and like as much as i don't like jack i feel like that's not something you can put on him i mean i can put it on him (laughs) in that moment like what he did wasn't great but i mean you can't fully put it on him you know but the at least now you have something to fix that was so just evil honestly it's like okay i get it your marriage didn't work but 
goddamn, that was such a low blow. And it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. It's like, you're not blameless in this whole situation. She's the way that she's acting is she's like, you're the reason that I cheated on you. And it's like, you have to admit that what you did was also wrong. Like, and it's the fact that she had a whole ass relationship with this other person. It's not like I cheated on you one time and realized and then told you and I broke it off. She was like fully committed to this other person by the time she decided to leave Jack. Two feet out the door. Blindsided him. I know there's a lot more to it, but bitch. And this is after you said you're going to stop calling women bitches. I meant in like a casual way. Mm. She is a bitch. Do you remember in season two, episode three, Orientation, when Jack pointed a gun at Desmond and said, why are you running? You don't even know what you're running from. I remember that, yeah. You did not like that scene. You said it's it's about a button. You know, like he, he's, he's overreacting, blah, blah, blah. I said he's unburdening himself because of Sarah and his connection to Desmond and Sarah. And you were like, not enough for me. In response, I made a TikTok. And halfway through it, I told you to stop watching it. Okay. Here is the argument. Okay. Because not everyone who listens watches TikTok. Sarah was in a car accident. Very low chance of walking again. Jack promises, I'm going to fix you. He performs the surgery, goes to the stadium, meets Desmond. Desmond tells him, take a leap of faith. He goes back to the hospital. Sarah's fixed. It's a sign. Faith, blah, 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 blah. Develops a relationship with her. Gets married to her. Marriage falls apart. Gets divorced. Shifts the blame to his father. To the point that he makes it so his, in his eyes, break makes it so his father breaks his sobriety. Even worse now, because now he's drinking while operating. Kills someone. Jack turns him in. He gets fired. He goes to Australia. Drinks himself to death. Jack goes to Australia. Crashes Oceanic 815. Lands on the island. Seeing Desmond was a triggering event. That caused a rush of memories because Desmond was the first domino to fall. Actually, Sarah getting the accident with Shannon's dad was the first domino to fall. But Desmond was that leap of faith that caused all of that. And now, once again, Desmond was telling Jack, essentially, take a leap of faith and trust that that button is real. Therefore, it caused that reaction. Was it a healthy reaction? No. But it was enough for me. And I think it's beautiful storytelling. Sure. (laughs) I guess my only issue with that is you said caused. Desmond didn't cause it. Had he never met Desmond and tell him to take that leap of faith, he probably wouldn't have like felt so passionately about everything and taken that leap of faith with Sarah and developed that relation with her. I don't necessarily believe that. He might have just treated Sarah like any other patient. But the thing is, it doesn't matter if he didn't meet Desmond or anything. It's what he said to him, because that did happen, that affected Jack's mind and his actions going forward. So seeing Desmond 
triggered it. That's all it was. That's fine. I do have to nitpick a couple things. I do want to add one more thing. What happened the day before he reunited with Desmond on the island? I don't know. Sawyer told Jack the last thing that he said about him before he drank himself to death. That he was sorry and that he was proud of him. So Mm. even more, those emotions were in the forefront of his mind. Mm, That's fine. Okay. One, I think Desmond was just a guy that he talked to. And it was like a triggering because it's like, oh, the memory. Oh, it brought him back. That everything you're saying there. Yeah, for sure. Um, He already was treating her differently than he treated her other than he treated other patients. You know, he got in her face and said, I'm going to fix you. I mean, he didn't give a shit about anybody else. So he was already treating her differently. I still think that relationship would have developed regardless of Desmond. But I get what you're saying, that it was just like, he, you know, Desmond was at that point in time when everything began and then he sees him at essentially the end of that. And yeah, for sure. Cool. I so still now, don't like the scene or the way Jack acted. I can, you can not like the way Jack acted, of course. Jack acting the way he does is uh, incredibly stupid most of the time. I think it was a great scene, especially because at the time, it was very emotional and great acting, even though the actions were stupid. But it's it goes to show you why I love the show, that that moment right there didn't make 100% sense at the time. And then more episodes came out and filled in the gap. So when you go through and you watch it again, like when we do Lauren Gets Found, the sequel podcast to Lauren Gets Lost, where we watch the podcast for us or we watch the show for a second time, you're going to be like, oh, my God, it makes sense. You realize that we could still call it Lauren Gets Lost, but this time I get it. Oh, that's way better. You're an idiot. (laughs) Lauren gets lost that totally makes way more sense oh my god anyway you can now watch that tiktok and you can see me watching that tiktok on our youtube channel while you're there you should subscribe on the island julia again asks jack what he wants to know and jack finally lets go and just asks if she's happy and juliet says yes jack breaks down and juliet tells him but she just wants to feed him and he needs to behave. She asks if she can trust him and Jack nods. So he puts his back against the wall and sits. Juliet leaves the room and sees Ben in the hall. He tells her good work and she says, thank you, calling him Ben. Okay. You just talked a lot. Going back to, he says, is she happy? Like he let go. Why did I then become Jack? And I was like, well, how happy? Like, did she marry that guy? (laughs) Is she pregnant? Like, what's she doing? What is she up to? I was like wanting more details. (laughs) (laughs) I I know you. And I know that you were like, oh, Jack, like you're you're being too much. But the second that he finally like lets go, you're like, well, well, not now. I need to know. I didn't need to know the guy's name. It's just like if somebody was like, they're happy. I'd be like, well, how do you know? Like, in what way? Does that paper just say, happy? So, thank God she called him Ben at the end of the episode. Because the entire time I was typing out the notes, I put Ben. I put Ben all the time. And then I was like, hmm. We haven't said his name yet. 
it was already <laughs> revealed with the book club thing. Yeah, but they didn't like expressly say that that was Ben because you yourself said maybe there's another leader. Yeah, I get that, but like it was pretty obvious when they're like, "Oh, Ben's not here today. Ben didn't pick the book," and then he comments on the book and he's yeah. like, oh, "I guess I'm not a part of book club." I just like to go on the record. I did say that his name would be short and simple. And his middle name is probably Lazarus, so. Benjamin Lazarus, his last name's not revealed yet. It's going to be, hold on, shot in the dark. Ben, I got nothing. (laughs) Tennyson. What? Ben Tennyson. Oh, from Ben 10? Yeah. Thoughts on the collusion between Juliet and Ben? I don't know why this was a reveal. Obviously, Juliet's another. I didn't really have any thoughts like it just shows that Ben's like in charge and and she's an other and she was trying to get him to cooperate to like break him whatever yeah okay it like the music was like oh it's a reveal and it's like well they did kidnap Jack for a reason (laughs) yeah I just was kind of like oh okay yeah I think the the part about it that could be a little bit like make you think is that Juliet comes off as like a very likable character. She seems to be like caring and sweet. And I think that scene is just showing like, no, she's just a manipulative other. Or at least that's what they're kind of saying with that scene. It's like, oh, that was all manipulation. Are you proud at all of Jack for finally letting go of something? No, oh, no, I, I don't give a shit. He's going to keep being Jack. How are you feeling about Jack these days? Like you, I feel like you were fairly understanding of him in this episode, just because like both in the flashback and in the present day, he's going through like a trauma. So you don't seem as annoyed as you normally are, but obviously you're still annoyed. I just don't like him. Like I don't like his character. I think the thing about that scene that you're like with Desmond and you're like, oh, it's a good scene. I think I just don't really like Jack's character. Like I don't like a boisterous, loud outburst type of character and i like a stewing brooding like internal rage type of character like Locke. he's had an outburst or two i don't know if you know this he almost destroyed everybody on the island well don't tell him what he can't do i like uh i like a damon from vampire diaries don't get the reference there i know i'm trying to think of somebody on the island like anna lucia for the most part, okay, so she shot one person, oops. And, and threw another one in a pit, and... Okay, but she doesn't have yelling. It's literally the yelling. I don't like yelling, in general. Like, for the most part, she's more of like, a, you could tell she's stewing mm. internally. Jack mm. stews out loud, really out loud. Mm. And I don't like that. Thoughts on Juliet as a whole? I like her. I'm assuming that's who Kate was meaning when she said blondie. She does have blonde hair. Right. I'm going to assume it's her. She's very pretty. So I'm like, new love interest? Question mark? For Jack? No. For the love of God, Jack doesn't get anyone else. Jack's had one love interest. Sarah doesn't count. I don't know. I just don't want it to be for Jack. I didn't like they didn't have any chemistry. Fair enough. Why are they here? Oh, not even a clue. No idea. 
do you think they're there all for the same reason? Probably not. It's like, okay, if they're a little cult, maybe they just need more people. Maybe they're, they need more skills. But it's like, okay, Jack's a doctor. That's pretty useful. He's a he's a surgeon. It's pretty useful. But then I, I was thinking that, but then I was like, Kate and Sawyer aren't useful. If you need skills, you're going to take Jack, Saeed, right. maybe Jin. Jin, I think. Even Sun. Yeah, Gardner. Yeah, I don't think it's the skills. I, I really don't know. It's just like they just took the most complex characters. They also happen to be the main characters. So I, I don't really know. I, I have no thoughts right now. Even you would take Locke hunting and shit. I think, you know, maybe they just took hot people so that they can reproduce why didn't they bring Jin? i don't know they couldn't talk or saeed i know because they're racist yeah i I really don't know they took the white characters and one hispanic and they were like go i don't have an actual answer i have no idea how long do you think they're gonna be here and how do you think they will leave if they do i i truly don't know i feel like if they leave, it's because the others let them go. And and my follow-up question to that is, like, are we ever going to have action back at the main camp? Like, are, is this going to be a bunch of episodes where we're only with the others? You know, like, what happened to Saeed, Sun, and Jin? And Locke, Desmond, and Echo. Oh, and those people who might be dead. <laughs> well, that was my next question. It literally is, what's going on with the beach camp, the boat trip, and anyone who survived the hatch? I don't know, but I'd like to know. Thoughts on Ben? He's a creepy little lizard boy. <laughs> he Michael Emerson has such range. He's he's a fantastic villain in this series, I have to say. And then I love him as Harold Finch on Person of Interest. They're like not even the same character. Wait a minute. A lot of them have like historically significant names. Well, you know Ben. I know, but I'm saying we don't know his last name yet. It's obviously Ben Franklin. <laughs> Speaking of names, at work the other day, I had... Do you remember when Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner were dating and everyone would joke that if they got married, they were both Taylor Lautner? I had that situation where someone called in. They're like, "I need to change. my wife needs to change her last, or her last name. She took my name. And I was like, okay, let me pull you up here. We're going to use we're going to use the Taylor example for. You know, it was Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift, and he was like, to distinguish it, can you put Taylor A. Lautner and Taylor D. Lautner? And I was like, this is so fucking confusing. But that wasn't even the weirdest part. There was a third person in their household whose name was Shannon Rutherford. (laughs) Really? And I was like, what the fuck? That's interesting. Yeah, it was driving me crazy. Give me some outlandish predictions for season three. Where is this season taking us now that you've seen an episode? You're already locking in that there's a man behind the curtain for the others. Yeah, okay. I think there's someone above Ben. I don't really have anything else, to be honest. some shit on the wall, Lauren. No one's going to care. 
every time you you just throw some random crap out there, you usually get it right. I know, but I that has to be organic. Like I just okay, ready? We're gonna do a little exercise. First thing that comes to mind: Why did they kidnap Jack, Kate, and Sawyer? Sex. <laughs> I I really don't know. I um I I got nothing. There's other questions that I would ask to like try to get predictions, but don't lead me. Yeah, I don't want to give you anything. Okay, well, here's one thing I will lead you with. There is an episode next week, and it is eccentric. Mm, Kate. Do you want the title? Yeah. The Glass Ballerina. Kate. Nope. Damn. Wait. Mm. But did you guess that because I told Kate, see you soon? Well, I was just like guessing of the three. Okay, Sawyer. Nope. Okay, so we're going back to the main camp? Maybe. Juliet. Damn. Uh, Glass Ballerina, Glass Ballerina. Claire. Nope. Sun. Yep. And some gin. It's labeled as a sun episode, but obviously gin's going to be in it. Okay. That's cool. So we could see what's happening with the Bodhi people. Prediction for her backstory. Last we left off, she seemed to be having an emotional affair with Jay Lee. Do, Do the flashbacks typically go like chronologically yes Mm. Mm. interesting season one flashbacks were kind of like what they were doing right before the crash happened and then like their second one was like a little further back filling in some gaps and then lately they have just been like leading up to the crash again like with jack it's been like we first saw him wanting to on the walkabout then we went all the way back to when he met his father for the first time and then the kidney was stolen and then he met Helen and then Helen left him. Yeah, you definitely said Jack, but you mean Locke. That's what I meant. Okay, here's my guess. I think this episode is going to be about her relationship with her father. All right. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? It's a thinker. Last season premiere, you were super excited, loved the episode. Same level, little let down with a premiere episode i'm not let down i'm very intrigued very intrigued i'm even more excited though because right after this i get to watch all of the tiktoks that say season two spoiler i'm so fucking excited and we're gonna record it guys it's gonna be on youtube so head on over to youtube search lauren gets lost subscribe watch the video but if you haven't seen the tiktoks yourself where the hell you been, Loka? Go over to TikTok at Lauren Gets Lost Pod, or they're also on Instagram if you're lame at Lauren Gets Lost Pod. There's some shit on Facebook. Just search Lauren Gets Lost. And I think Twitter exists at Lauren Gets Lost. Once you're done stalking all of those different social media accounts, make sure you give us five stars wherever you're listening. Spread the word about us so we can grow into a world phenomenon so tell your friends tell your family tell your local zoologist you could have gone with aa leader a uh, like mistress you could have gone with so much and you're going with zoologist i planned it i literally wrote it in my notes and join us next week for the glass ballerina 
Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. <laughs>